Hello and welcome. It's Sports by the Book from the South Point studio. Uh, not much to talk about, really not happening, not a lot happening in the world of sports, except for the biggest game in American sports occurred yesterday. And I was going to say we have a new Super Bowl champion. We've got the same Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, repeating, going back to back, first time in 19 years yep. that we've had a repeat champion in the NFL. And we're here on Sports by the Book at South Point Studio to break it all down. Hello and welcome. She's Alex White. I'm Matt Neverett, and we're joined right off the top of the show by a couple of guys here from the South Point, a couple of our very own who have seen a Super Bowl or two. And please, please welcome Vinny Mayulo and Jimmy Vaccaro as we go through Super Bowl 58, everything that was. And I think out of the four of us on the desk, I was the only one not physically in the building watching the game. So you guys can say more than I can. But from what I hear and from what I saw on social media, it was ruckus in the book. Well, first of all, good job by everybody. And um, <clears throat> my voice is returning. Yes, although, it is. Although my wife's not hasn't complained the last few days. <laughs> but um, we did have a, a great response yesterday here uh, on property. And, and as we talked about, um, over 7,000 people were accommodated. I'm just talking about in just special event areas. Um, the event center in the, uh, up in, in the arena, uh, ballrooms, uh, convention areas. Of course, we had the, uh, the Grandview Lounge. And the showroom as well. And, oh, by the way, the race and sports book too. So wherever you went on the property, you were able to view and bet the game. You know, we added kiosks as well and had live tellers. So satellite locations, satellite betting locations throughout the property. And um, I'll tell you what, it was a great atmosphere. If you can, I know we'll have some, uh, probably some, uh, what do we call that? B-roll? B yep, very good. See that? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn this TV lingo. <laughs> and uh, you'll see. And as Jimmy can attest, uh, Jimmy ran all, all over the property yesterday, greeting guests and uh, signing autographs and uh, seeing all the action. Why, thank you. That was really, really nice of you. <laughs> it only cost me $40. <laughs> Best got, 40 bucks you ever spent. steps in yesterday? You, Jimmy, or uh, Frank Nicotero running all over Las Vegas? He's losing his marbles. You know that. <laughs> Although he had the nice windswept hair going all day. He had that, uh, that Super Bowl energy and... Uh, a red face to show for it, riding around on the Vespa. I mean, when I, I was inside the office and I heard that, I said, who the hell could that be? Then it hit me. I know who it could have been. <laughs> Only one person you know, it could have been, right? Well, you know, I've been around this racket my entire life. And first of all, I've been chances. What I'm going to say now is like, you two are the young, young guys. When you look back, you know, even to the point where, you know, we were just young kids running around making small bets on the Super Bowl, which I look at one of them and, I lost the first one, that's for sure. I remember that. I was in Youngstown, Ohio, and I went to Mike Cyrax's gas station because you could bet there. You know, you could bet at Mike Cyrax, and actually I bet my 222, I think plus 11 or 12 on the, uh, uh, against the Packers, and then I ate that one and spit it out, so whatever. But the point I'm making is, like, you kind of want to say, you know, you've seen it all with the Super Bowl, but it keeps fooling us because every year, everything, like, and we keep bringing up, if you would have seen... The amount of people that were here, and I'm sure it was echoed through the entire country where you had a sports book. I mean, that's the difference. You mm -hmm. keep saying, well, how much more can they do? Well, obviously, if you saw yesterday, we did a lot more than we did the previous year. So what is happening with an event, like I call this the biggest event, single-day event that we've ever booked, hats off, and uh, I loved it. Now, right now, I'm a little tired, and I admit it at 68, 78. How old am I? 78. <laughs> tired enough, yeah. Just a number. Yeah. So that's it. So. Take it away, guys. I was surprised yeah. there was a lot of Niners fans in here in the book, but yes. it was a lot of fun. And we had 
some of each side, but I would say yeah. definitely heavier on the Niners side. And every seat was definitely taken. People yes. were standing all around, and the energy was fantastic. Well, Alex, we're, we're dealing with bookmakers. They love to have equal action, That's whether right. it's behind the counter or out on That's the right. uh, out on the front watching it. Joy action at the desk is always perfect. Thank you, Ann, for <laughs> cueing me on that. No, I think to Jimmy's point, um, even though that you know we've been we've been doing this for um, let's see, Chris, Jimmy, and I combined. Oh, 150 years, um, but seeing all these Super Bowls, there's always something to take away from it. And again, yesterday, Las Vegas, along with the South Point, obviously, on full display for the whole country. And I Star think of the show. Everybody, you know, I, I've not heard anything negative about it. Um, I think the, the city did a great job. And um, the fact of the matter is we're now in the rotation, right? And, of course, once you're in the rotation for the Super Bowl, you're in the rotation for the Final Four. And because, you know, Final Fours are now being played in, in, in football stadiums. So I believe we have it in 28. And so with that, it's just also, and Jimmy has always uh, uh, mentioned this too, and I'll let him expand on it. It's such a social event now. And I think it was more on display yesterday. Um, not everybody could get into Allegiant Stadium. 65,000 of the 400,000 people could get in there. But everybody had a ticket. Uh, of one form or another, uh, including the overtime, which, yes, that stung us a little bit, but we're happy to stimulate the economy. As I've always said, you can't rely on the Fed. Just let the bookmakers take care of it. So, uh, But, Jimmy, I would say that uh, in walking around yesterday, yeah. whether it was Chiefs, uh, they, if, if somebody had a Chiefs jersey on or a Niners jersey, everybody was having a great time. Well, you obviously have two crazy things here. You have the kid, the quarterback, is now being compared uh, to Brady and whatever, and obviously he's in the running again. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, he does this another couple of years, although it's very, very hard. Plus, we even go back three days from that. We had the Clydesdales in here. I mean, could That's you— right. Did you think 30 years ago, listen, guy, we're, I opened up this little side door, we got someone coming in, and this big, huge— Horse comes in, and there was more pictures taken of the horse than there was of me and Vincenzi. <laughs> that. We did get to, and by the way, Chris will be in at the end. Chris Andrews, director here, he'll be in uh, talking a little bit more about you know the handle and the breakdown and things yeah. like that. So, um, but not disappointed at all because you know people often it's always about did you win or did you lose. Let me tell you, we always win. It, it, at the end of the day, it, it, it's not, and it's just not winning is not just about the money. I mean, obviously, there's a financial aspect to it. But I think Las Vegas won for sure, and certainly the South Point with uh, all the amenities that we provided and all the value uh, that we uh, we provide here. You know what? It is a social event, but uh, this one's pointed at you. Did you take care of your family yesterday? You did guys. You, did you wait a minute? Did you? You were over here, uh, Jimmy. I need. Can I get this booth over here? Hey, Jimmy, <laughs> can we see what's over here? That's... When I looked up there, she was here and she was there. Now, answer me this question. Is that the first time like you brought your whole family to a, an event like this? It is. And there I took is. care of them as much as I could, but really it was you guys. And they wanted well, me to thank you as well. And Chris Andrews, of course, well, because they had the best time. Well, the, the thing we're trying to get to is like you, we keep bringing new customers in. That's, new right. People. That's right. And you know what? I'm sure after the event, they said, thank you, dear, because that was really, really a lot of fun. I'd like to bet I'm laying $1.75 they'll be here next Super Bowl. I Yeah, that is definitely the yeah. favorite. Yeah. What was it, Booth 23? That's right. That's an easy, <laughs> easy there. And they, they were so impressed with the prices. They were like, I can't believe um, how much we got for beers and oh, food and everything yeah. here. So 
South Point. Chris, you, right. you talked to Chris. Chris put out a great, a great tweet uh, on the pricing. Oh, absolutely. Very fair. Yeah, course. free parking, yes. free entry, yeah. cheap yeah. beer. What, what yeah. more could you ask? That's Michael Gone. He's ahead of the curve. Michael Gone's the owner of the casino, which obviously we've known for a yeah. long, long time. He didn't want to gouge anything or anybody. He let, as a matter of fact, Vincent, he's he sat with us in the back in the office till about an hour before they kicked yeah. off. He, he sat there for three hours because he likes the atmosphere. First of all, he comes from a family of bookmakers going way back, and he understands what's needed to be done and whatever. There's no sense in whacking people on the head. They're going to blow it on the slot machine anyway, so yeah. what the hell's? What do you want to take them out, take them out early for? That's right. <laughs> we were joined by Brendan Gaughan and his nephew, John oh, Gaughan, as boy. well, who were both behind the counter. Last yes. night before we let you guys get yeah. back behind that very same counter, how did the Gons work out this year? Behind the counter taking bets. Balance right to the penny. Bingo. Right on the money. Right on the money. And that is <clears throat> that is a tradition that goes back to, well, Jackie gone. Uh, and, of course, Michael gone. So, uh, yeah, they uh, they write tickets on Super Bowl Sunday. Really cool tradition. Really unique. Yeah. You, you will only find that here at the South <clears throat> Point nowadays. And John gone was here, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael's oldest son came by and he was hugging everybody. And it was a, we actually had some you know media folks here. And they kept saying, who is that? Who is that? I said, it's John gone. He goes, what's John gone? Yeah, giving hugs. I said, doesn't your boss hug you? Yeah. He said, no, I'm lucky if I get a reimbursement for this trip. <laughs> it's a family affair here at the South Point. That's right. Las Vegas, the star of the show from the NFL perspective, Jimmy Vaccaro, Vinny Maiolo, the stars of the show from the South Point studio perspective. We want to thank you guys for taking a couple minutes, and we'll be joined by Chris Andrews, sportsbook director, here in about a half an hour. We'll let you guys get back behind the counter. Huh? All right. Have a great thank day. You thank you both. Good job, lot. everybody. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be at the spa. Absolutely. <laughs> and while we let them take off, we'll take a look at the records that were set or tied during the Super Bowl. Because, Alex, this was a really unique Super Bowl in a lot of ways. And uh, we, we got a graphic here of all the records that were broken and or tied. A lot of them involve special teams. This special teams, the star of the show in Super Bowl 58. How about Jake Moody, man? He broke a record, held it for about a quarter, and then for it to just be broken again. So, yeah, this is pretty... um. Pretty crazy, this list we have here. Yeah, that's uh, longer than you or I will ever hold a Super Bowl record, but not by much. Yeah, this one, crazy. The The ones that stand out to me, 57 yards, longest field goal made. Uh, most 50 yarders made in the same game. Jake Moody made two, uh, and most field goals made by the same team. The other one, too, take a look at that bottom one on the top section. Fewest kickoff returns and yeah. fewest kickoff return yards. First Super Bowl ever where there wasn't a kickoff return attempted. And as we said right before we took the air, None of the kickoffs were particularly close to being anything but touchbacks. No, you're right. They were all in the end zone. It was an easy touchback, easy decision for the returning team. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. First one, right? With yeah. None. And we'll, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes and all of his greatness and accolades in, in a second. But how close, if the game would have played out differently, if the Chiefs would have won a 22-19 to affair, with what would it have been at that point? Five field goals made yeah. by Harrison Butker. How close did we come to Harrison Butker winning Super Bowl MVP? See, that's a great question. Um, I actually think pretty close because there wasn't anybody on the Chiefs offense that really stood out to that point. I mean, of course, Travis Kelsey really stepped up late and Patrick Mahomes did it all himself with his legs and we'll get to that. But I don't know, Matt, what, uh, what do you do there though? Because really their defense... It was all about their defense, yeah. too. So it's and tough. There wasn't any real you know, turnovers forced from the, from yeah. the PC perspective. Uh, at the end, of course, Mahomes ran away. He was the leading rusher over yep. 300 yards. So it was a no-brainer with the way that that game played out. But even as it was, Harrison Butker scored 12 of their 25 points. And again, if it would have been a 19-16 to win or something like that, and you got 15 of those points, 
I think I think he would have had to have gone to Harrison Butker. Yeah, I, have we had a kicker? Never, would, no. So it would have been the first time. Yeah. And I know a lot of people actually put a little money on both kickers in case, just like Sam Darnold was a hot pick. But yeah. the, I know I've heard a lot of people who said put a little flyer on the kickers just in case, and it was looking like it could have been. And this is a, a really cool stat uh, from Optistats. I don't know if you follow this page on Twitter uh, or X. Take, take a look. It's Optistats. The Chiefs went from zero Super Bowl appearances in their first 40, or in, in a 49-year stretch. I was going to say their first 49 years, but of course the, uh, the, the Len Dawson years, this smoking a dart at, at the halftime. Obviously, we're not in that era, but no Super Bowl appearances in almost 50 years. And then from 2019 to 2023, three Super Bowl titles in five years. As you can see on the bottom, first team in the Big Four to go 45 or more seasons without reaching a championship, and then to win three of the next five what we're seeing is unprecedented. And this is coming from a big-time Patriots guy. Lifelong TV12 yeah. Bill Belichick fan. What we are seeing this early in a career for Patrick Mahomes is really, really starting to rival what we saw from, from TV12. Because remember, when Tom Brady won those first three titles, he was a rookie and then had the two best defenses in the modern era at that mm -hmm. time in 2003 and 2004. By the way, last team to go back-to-back -back was the Patriots in 0304. So there's a lot of direct Wait, comparisons not only for the teams, but for the quarterbacks as well. And, you know, three Super Bowl titles in five years, nothing to scoff at. Four Super Bowl appearance in five years as well. This is a Chiefs dynasty, and it doesn't sound like they're done from what Patty said after the game. No, it definitely is a dynasty. And, I mean, I bet on the Chiefs getting the points. I think that was um, the safest bet here, especially even Chris talked about it earlier. It was pretty much a coin flip. You're getting value with if you took it on the money line or taking those points with this team. I was rooting for the Niners. I thought that they could I thought they could win. Um, they were the better team, especially the first half. And we had Adam Chernoff on our show yesterday morning and he had a lot of great points. He said that this is the most physical offense that the Chiefs have seen. And they proved that. They stepped up. They did their job. And their defense much improved from the first two weeks against the Packers and the Lions' first two playoff games. So, I mean, they were tested, but I woke up today and I can appreciate talent. I can appreciate greatness. And we are seeing greatness here with this Kansas City Chiefs team, especially Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they had the graphics up. We have some graphics to show too, but I mean, what he's done in his first six seasons, six title games, four Super Bowl appearances three super bowls it's it's unbelievable yeah we see it here he's the only player or there are three rather three players who at this point even if you include patrick mahomes are all-time greats in the game he's one of only three players with three super bowl wins and two super bowl mvps of course montana only got the two brady ended up getting a third but mahomes joining rare air and you mentioned the direct comparison with mahomes and brady through the first seven years of their career and our next graphic is the comparison head-to-head of the two players, keep in mind, this is through the first seven years of their career. This does, this stops for Tom Brady right before the 2007 season when he won his first MVP, so keep that in mind. But, I mean, look at that. The, the green signifying who has the advantage through their first 96 games. It is weighted all to the right, uh, and I had to actually make this myself. You see those little slashes? All of a sudden, <laughs> he's got three championships, three Super Bowl MVPs. And, uh, yeah, through the first seven years, Patrick Mahomes doing what has never been done at the quarterback position. Well, Tom Brady, they knew he was their guy, right? Rookie season, but he didn't play very many games that mm -hmm. year and then led them to the Super Bowl. But he did have a fantastic defense to lean on for the first few years. And then we really start, started to see him become the GOAT and what he could accomplish. Patrick Mahomes, there was no 
There was no learning curve for him. He hopped into the NFL and has just been able to do this right away. And it's just unbelievable to see. There's actually, I wanted to ask you, so in the first seven seasons, there's six guys that have three championships and two MVPs. These are regular season MVPs. Mm -hmm. Now there's two NBA, one NHL, and three MLB. I have a feeling you're definitely going to get those three MLB. But do you have... um, you want to make some guesses on those that they are now comparing Patrick Mahomes to because they are saying he's done things that we haven't even seen in the NFL, really. What was the, what was the criteria again? So really just in the first seven seasons, seven three championships okay. and two MVPs, regular season MVPs. MVPs. Hmm. Trying to, I don't know why I'm trying to think of the hockey one first. That one's hard. Is Mario Lemieux one of them? For hockey? Yeah. Only one hockey. Only one hockey. Is it, is it Gretzky? It's not Gretzky. That one you'll, you'll, you'll have to give me. That, that's, that's what I'm like. That's Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur, okay. Um, hmm, the baseball one, that's tough. Three championships. <laughs> I know, it is. MVPs, first seven years. Is, is it a Yankee? It is a Yankee. Is it, it is a Yankee. Is it, uh, is it Jeter? No. Oh, way before DiMaggio? Jeter. Yes, it is. Okay, so Joe DiMaggio. There's one more? Two more. Two more. Uh, Mickey Mantle? Yes, it is. So two, uh, is the 30 is the Yankee? Uh, I'm going to have to look that one up. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> uh, who, who's the third one? I'll, I'll tell you. If it's Stan? Stan Musial. Oh, Stan Musial? Musial. That was with the Cardinals. Yeah, Stan the man. Uh, born in uh, Donville, Do- Dorville, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which is also the hometown of Ken Griffey Jr. Very good. Ken Griffey Jr. is not the highest home run total of anyone born in uh, Dorville, Pennsylvania. Uh, who are the, the, the football examples? Before okay, I, before I make too much of a no, that's myself. the whole that's the whole thing. There's no football. No two football NBA, Larry Bird. Okay, and then Bill Russell, which absolute legends of the game. So yep. he's putting himself in rarefied air. Not just the best players of an era, some of the best players of all time. Right, and that, that was criteria. yeah, that was the whole point. But then I love that graphic that you brought comparing it to Brady because. I mean, we do see that he had the same championships early on in his mm-hmm. six years as well. But, yeah, so that's including the regular season MVPs wow. with these guys. Which which does matter to a certain point. You're right. And the one thing, too, that we've talked about throughout the lead-up to this game is that this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had. A top-five unit, bar none, top-to-bottom in the NFL. And it was a full-team effort. The, the, the stat that I've brought that really, really is striking since 2019, when this run really started, the Chiefs, Five and one in playoff games when trailing by 10 or more. That it's, is incredible. Rest of the NFL, Alex, over that same stretch in the same situation, six and 48. That is insane. And I saw three double-digit comeback wins in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's only four other quarterbacks to do it. Brady did it twice. So it combined, <laughs> they combined to be more than him. But it's crazy. Three double-digit Super Bowl comebacks. I mean, they yeah. had them right where they wanted down 10 or early, right? Yeah, I knew that wasn't enough, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and the the crazy thing, too, so Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, as we said, deservedly so, leading them, throwing the game-winning touchdown, finishing as the leading rusher and over 300 yards passing. A number that I saw that really stood out to me as well, he is the Chiefs' all-time leading rusher in the playoffs. It's insane. And it's because, you know, they don't have a great, great history. You saw that stat right. that went over 50 years just about without a uh, Super Bowl appearance. But Patrick Mahomes with 66 yards yesterday, 33 of which, by the way, on the last two drives alone, those scrambles on uh, fourth and one and third and one in overtime, it basically won them the game by keeping those drives alive. But Mahomes doesn't have to do it with his arm. 
Um, and we, we talked about as well the odds. He closed it around plus 175, depending on where you looked. He was about 175 yeah. when we were on the air yesterday. Uh, it, it becomes the 12th Super Bowl MVP in the last 15 years at 10 to 1 odds or less. So just goes to show you don't need to go down the board that much. And the three outliers, uh, Malcolm Smith, Von Miller, Julian Edelman, had just incredible game-changing performances. And if you bet on somebody other than that and something like that burns you, you just tip your cap, right? Absolutely. And that's funny because that's kind of the same with that first touchdown score. We talked about it, too. You don't have to go that far down the list. And who was it? Christian McCaffrey. No-brainer. Right. And, I mean, of course, we did see some other touchdowns later that if you did anytime touchdown with MVS or Jennings, you could definitely have cashed some money there. But, yeah, that first one we talked about a lot, Chiefs. Who will score the first oh, Niners touchdown or the first in general for the game. So that kind of makes sense then with the MVP. So good to note for next year. For sure. And one of the ways that, that we tried to handicap this game, you and I and Jeff as well, is you, you try to game plan. You try yeah. to see what's the game script going to be like? How do you envision the game? And then you make your bets off of that. This one happened the exact opposite of, of how we uh, had kind of thought about it all. Yeah. The exact inverse. Listen to the first nine Chiefs drives. You ready? And this was after five punts and end of game were their entirety of the second half possessions against the Ravens. Their first nine drives. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, field goal, interception, punt, field goal, punt. If you're the 49ers and you were told before the game that that would be the Chiefs' first nine possessions, you would think you'd be up 24 nothing, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But the Chiefs did just enough to hang around in this one. Yeah, you're right. And they had the yards up after the first quarter. It was like 106 to... 10 or something so and it was 3-0 so it was it was absolutely crazy that the Chiefs managed to hang in there and do just enough plus their body language um them getting angry on the mm -hmm. side like I it wasn't looking good for them at all but it was that that muffed um putt return yes and that just changed the momentum they scored a touchdown and they were right back in that game but I do want to talk about Brock Purdy a little bit yeah. and your take and how you think he did because it's funny, I haven't heard anybody bring up his name today on any network, not even to give him any kudos. And it's like, if he would have had a game that everybody was expecting, they just would be so ready to talk negative about him, mm -hmm. say, we knew, we knew he wasn't ready for the big moment, but nothing, can't even give him a little credit. No, and I, he did, in my eyes, exactly what was needed to give the 49ers a chance to win the game. He was never going to the guy that wins that game that's just not his role that's not him personally that's not his role in the offense that's totally fine right because Kyle Shanahan has shown that he's able to get to these big games with you know you or I a quarterback Jimmy G and and Brock Purdy not going to win you any any MVP awards whatsoever but they do just enough with the rest of the roster constructed the way that it is to give you a chance to win the game and that's exactly what Brock Purdy did 23 of 38 255 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. I think no interceptions is really striking considering all the things that Steve Spagnuolo threw at him. I agree, and he was very composed, great decision-making. I mean, it didn't even take him some time to, you know, shake off the nerves. He was ready. He was in that moment. I also think, I mean, when they did rush him, he made great decisions. Like I said, kind of just threw it off to McCaffrey, didn't ever no um, turnover-worthy plays by him, so I think he did a great job. We're about 16 minutes away from Chris Andrews joining us, and one of the bets that he said that he liked in the lead-up to the game was for Brock Purdy to throw exactly 
one touchdown pass, which is exactly what ended up happening. So we'll have to see what kind of odds uh, you were able to get. He'll have some updates on some big bets as well. The uh, the Kyle Juszczyk first 49ers reception won a lot of people a lot of money at like 35 to 1. And uh, we, we talked about Brock Purdy doing enough to give them an opportunity to you know stay in the game. One guy that did more than enough oh, yeah. and even did some unprecedented things was Christian McCaffrey. Take a look at these numbers. Christian McCaffrey, first player in not only Super Bowl history, but postseason history with 80 receiving and 80 rushing yards in one game. Uh, it hasn't happened in the playoffs since 1996. He's the first player ever to do it in a Super Bowl. He was nearly Superman for the 49ers yesterday. He really was. He's who I felt the worst for because, I mean, he really put it all out there, left it all on the field, and especially in overtime, um, I thought he was actually going to break through and maybe even score a touchdown and just got pushed out of bounds there. But, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, he's a beast. He proved it again, and that is, that's crazy. 80 rushing yards, 80 receiving yards, first time in postseason history. And they, they leaned on him early. Yes, they, they did. They leaned on him often which is kind of exactly what, what I thought. I know you were on the same boat, yep. kind of what we thought was going to happen. I will say one of my favorite prop bets that I gave out all week that cashed pretty easily was McCaffrey first rush over three and a half yards. My thinking there with two weeks to game plan, you know that they're going to find a way to get McCaffrey in some space, get those legs churning. I even said before the game, I said, look for the first 49ers play from scrimmage to be a McCaffrey rush for about five or six yards. Lo and behold, six yards in the first rush. And he really never stopped running from there. So. Uh, Purdy and McCaffrey, not guys you can blame. One guy on the 49ers sideline that is taking a lot of blame tonight is the head coach, Kyle Shanahan, for a, a couple different reasons. Number one, I, I think a number that stands out is his performance when leading late and having double-digit leads in the second half, what have you, similar types of numbers. Listen to this. Kyle Shanahan, in three Super Bowls as either a head coach, where he's been two, or an offensive coordinator. Everybody remembers the 28-3 Falcons debacle. In three Super Bowls on the sidelines as an NFL coach, his teams have been outscored 68 to 12 in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, if you include yesterday. It is crazy, and we'll get into it more because we saw our first overtime with the new playoff rules that they just started two years ago. So I'm excited to get your take on that and what you thought. And moving forward, right? Because it always takes the first time to see it, mm -hmm. then to, for people to kind of realize, okay, what's the better move here? Should you defer the ball? Should you take the ball first? So we'll talk through that. But I was impressed with Shanahan because, I mean, they had a, a short fourth down, and I thought for sure he was going to kick it, and he went for it right at the end of the fourth quarter. So I think he was trying to play more aggressive. Um, and then the overtime we'll, we'll talk about. But Let's get into it. They were also had a short fourth down where he could have been aggressive at that point too that might have really cost them. But... Yeah, let's get into this overtime. And, I mean, we do have to talk about the players talking about after the game mm -hmm. and some of them on San, on San Francisco not knowing the new rules. And it's, this was the first game played, regular or postseason, with these new playoff rules. And, of course, if you've been paying attention, it was after last year in the playoffs, Bills and Chiefs went to overtime. Chiefs got the ball first, went down and scored, touchdown. That was the end of the game. Buffalo introduced this new rule. So Kansas City... Was it two years ago? Two years so ago. So Kansas City had had experience with what to expect in, in a situation like this, and they know the rules. And Andy Reid, I will say, it's one area where old school coaches, and this is not just football. This is baseball. This is college basketball. This is across the board, in my opinion, that old school coaches have an advantage with rule change situations like this. Even if it's a new rule, 
because they're just so used to running through every eventuality. We've heard it in college basketball, whether it's the debate to foul up three late, certain coaches are on either side of it, but they've been doing it their whole career. And Andy Reid is one of the guys that's always been on the forefront of new rules and finding ways to take advantage, and if not take advantage, at least be on the right side of it. So the controversy here is it's a brand-new coin toss, and I liked what Bill Vinovich, the head referee, said. It is a brand-new game, more or less. Um, yeah. Brand-new game, coin toss, both teams get a chance to possess the ball. So if I'm the Kansas – if I'm, you know, the 49ers, I go down and kick the field goal, you get the, you get the ball – the first question, the 49ers won the toss. Right. If you're Kyle Shanahan sitting here right now next to me on Sports by the Book the next day, obviously hindsight 2020, would you have taken the ball first or given it to Kansas City first? I would have given it to Kansas City first, and that is only because you're pretty much taking away a down from them. So if Kansas City went down, was stopped on the fourth down, they would have kicked, right? Mm -hmm. But because San Francisco did that and they kicked, now they are putting all of the control in Kansas City's hand. They have no choice but to go for it on fourth down. You're giving Patrick Mahomes an extra down. I Does that make sense? About, about it like that. Right. That is really, really sharp. So it's like if you switch it and then you put that pressure on your offense and give them that extra down where they have no choice unless they're just matching, and then you get to kick and you go for it again. But that is the part where you'll get into it because then it does turn into sudden death. Well, and I, I saw it brought up. Steve Fezzik, who's a respected longtime better and handicapper in this industry, brought up on social media last night. He goes, he said that the math actually benefits you to take the ball first. And, it, and it's under certain circumstances because he's assuming, and I, I think the math works out, where the most likely scenario is either the teams go punt, punt, or trade field goals. He said as soon as that happens, whoever gets the ball next has the advantage. Because right. if you score at all, it's over. But that's, that's a very specific certain set of circumstances that needs to occur for that to take place. As a baseball guy, I always like going second. And even with these new mm -hmm. overtime rules, I, I still think that you defer. Let the other team tell you what you need. Because if you go down and get a pick, all you got to do is get the field goal. But you're assuming a lot in that instance of, yeah. we want the ball first so that if this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Oh, yeah, and it's the biggest game in any of our lives, uh, really, for the next couple of years, unless you're the Chiefs and you can expect to be back within a couple of years. But that was a debate, and I think it would have been not as magnified if comments didn't come out after the game about just the difference in, in preparation from both of these teams and both right. of these coaching staffs for this possible eventuality. This was an article from The Ringer, and uh, Justin Reed told them that they had discussed the new overtime rules as far back as training camp, and Chris Jones even went as far as to divulge their strategy. He said that if the Chiefs, A, they had talked about it for two weeks. So they had thought about this. The players were all on the same page. They knew what was going on. He said, we talked about how we were going to give the ball to the opponent. And if they scored, we were going to go for two when we got the ball. If we scored to end the game, we rehearsed it. That was a new wrinkle that I hadn't necessarily thought of either. Going for two to go for the win in a situation like that. See, and that's really funny because Jeff Parles has been talking about it all season long, waiting for us to get an overtime in the playoffs, and he's brought that up. He said, if I was coaching, I would defer the ball, get the ball second, and automatically be ready to go for two. So I think that is a great point there. I like how you have the numbers, though, that if it's punt, punt, field goal, field goal, of course, it's better to take it first. It's going to be interesting if we see this again here soon, mm -hmm. what coaches decide to do. But it's definitely needs to be thought out, needs to be talked about. That's huge for players. And you made a good point because I was kind of giving the Niners the benefit of the doubt, right? Experience is everything. The fact that the Chiefs went through this in playoffs, the rules changed because of their game 
Of course, they're going to be aware of it. Of course, they're going to talk about it. But, okay, on the Niners side, you brought it up off air before the show. You have two weeks. You have one huge game. You have to talk about every single scenario and be prepared for everything. Absolutely, yeah. Literally the next line in the article after that Chris Jones quote about their strategy, the 49ers did not do the same. And it, it showed. Multiple San Francisco players said after the game they were not aware the overtime rules were different in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. They didn't even know the rules were different. Right. I can't believe that. There were two players that they interviewed that they named in this. Uh, D. Lyman, Eric Armstead, said he learned the details of the postseason rule when it was shown on the stadium jumbotron during a TV timeout. How are you learning that? This next one, though, <laughs> and I, I read through this before the show, and I, I'm still trying to, to calm myself down for this one. Fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who went to Harvard. This man went to Harvard. He said he assumed that when the 49ers asked to receive when they won, it's because that's what you do in the regular season where a touchdown, you go down and you win the game. This is a quote. I guess that's not the case. I don't really know the strategy. If Kyle Juszczyk doesn't know the strategy, who does? Yes, it's tough. It really is. And, I mean, they talked about that Shanahan was coaching, not the head coach, but coaching in, in a game, Super Bowl game that went to overtime, knew that that was a possibility too. So it's a tough spot. But, I mean, really, we saw how the Chiefs were clicking that last drive. Honestly, they ran out of time. It's not like... The Niners stopped them there and held them to a field goal. They really ran out of time in regulation to take it to overtime. So that's another tough part about whether to take the ball first or defer because, I mean, they were already clicking and giving their defense a breather. I mean, I could see that point too, but you brought that up we'll as well. See. That was an angle that I didn't think about, but actually does kind of make sense given how that fourth quarter played out. Exactly. Their defense was just on the field, they were tired. You could see it. So. That kind of made sense. Okay, put the ball in Brock Purdy in the offense's hands first, but didn't go as as planned. They didn't score a touchdown. And who knows? I mean, if they would have, we know now the Chiefs were prepared to go for two and just win there, and they wouldn't have had a chance to take the ball again. At least one side was prepared, right? At least one, one oh, side um, was prepared. <laughs> another Chiefs Super Bowl. They're going to go for the three-peat next year. They open as the betting favorite. Patrick Mahomes open as the betting MVP betting favorite for MVP, which we'll talk about tomorrow. We'll talk about some futures odds uh, on tomorrow's sports by the book. But now I want to get to the really important Super Bowl topics. The halftime show and our <laughs> thoughts on the commercials. We'll, we'll bring in Chris Andrews here in about five or six minutes, but I definitely wanted to get your thoughts. I told you the whole week. You knew how excited I was for Usher at the halftime show. I was impressed with the choreography. Okay. I was impressed with the dancing. The audio mixing left a little bit to be desired. I wanted to hear more of that breathy tone from Usher. I liked the collaborations as well. I thought that they did a really good job with who they brought out and when and which songs they had them perform. You know what? I think I'm going to require of you to start rating every Super Bowl. Like, I need a, a you know, one through ten and where you kind of rank these. Because I know you liked last year's too and you liked Rihanna. Loved it. Okay, so how do you think Usher did? Or you think they're pretty even and you... You like them both? I, I like them. I liked them both. They're a lot, okay. Usher caught a lot of flack. A lot of people didn't like it, but you don't take into consideration so the, the dancing, the choreography. That's all part of it. Uh, Rihanna's was different because that was her first live performance in six years, and they let her executive produce it at all. Uh, did you have a favorite collaborator, a favorite other artist that came in? I, I like okay. Alicia Keys a little bit. I loved how they used Ludacris. I love how they – I, I can't pick a favorite. I think the uh, – 
the guests he brought in were the best part by far. And that was my only problem. I told you I had one problem with the halftime show. And I don't like when artists try to save the best for last. They try to build this up and they miss the beginning part of grabbing the audience. And I think Usher kind of did that. I did like the choreography. I like how they had the Cirque in there at the beginning and really brought the Vegas theme. I love the whole skating part and that choreography. (laughs) Usher on rollerblades. Who would have thought? It was fantastic, honestly. And then I... Um, little John, we had Will I Am, he brought in everyone, and it was just little clips of all every one of his good songs. So overall, I do think it was fantastic. I just didn't like the beginning and him trying to get in his popular slower songs mm-hmm. to build up. I I think he should have started a little bit stronger. Yeah, I, I agree. He did build up, and I, I like his R&B stuff, but not as much as the bangers. Exactly. He didn't play DJ God Has Fallen In Love, and that was one that I was really excited to see uh, just from an entertainment standpoint. One collaborator that we did not bring up, and I think this is so cool, her, the the singer and guitar player, she shredded. She was phenomenal on the guitar, but she's got some history with the 49ers. She's from the Bay Area. Check this out. This is from her Twitter. Look at how it started versus how it's going. That's her singing the anthem at a 49ers game when she was a child and then performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. You want to talk about full circle in a game the 49ers were, were playing in? I love it. And she was one of my favorites. Well, that's the best part about everybody, right? I loved Alicia Keys, and then they brought out her, and it just kept getting better and better. So I think he did a fantastic job not trying to have all the attention on himself and really bringing out a lot of people to make the best performance. I mean, he was tired as it was. He I was, was a little was worried about him at the beginning, and I just kept thinking— Usher, you have a residency here. You perform all the time. You should be ready for this moment. But after they took him him off the stage, he changed into that awesome uh, blue or purple outfit with the skates. The motocross outfit. Yeah. yeah. So, And then he came back in. They wiped him down, and then he was good for the rest of the show. But those first three or four songs, I was a a little concerned. And I know I'm not the only one who (laughs) a very, very small part of me wanted to see him fall on the rollerblades. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't root for that kind of but stuff. I kind of <laughs> wanted to see that. I thought that was funny. But yeah, we definitely wanted to get that in. And we'll, we'll have to ask Chris Andrews one or two of his favorite commercials because there were some yes. good ones. And we'll talk about the perspective of Super Bowl commercials. The commercials aren't getting worse. Your expectations are just getting higher. We'll step aside here on Sports by the Book. We'll take a two minute break. When we return, Sportsbook Director here at the South Point, Chris Andrews, joins us to break down the game from a numbers perspective. And we'll get a favorite commercial or two out of him. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports by the Book. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas' top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 1230, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 1230 a.m. in the Grandview Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. 
After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. Welcome back to Sports by the Book. Matt Neverett joined by Alex White here on Super Bowl Monday. Joined here to close out the show by South Point Sportsbook Director Chris Andrews. And before we ask Chris about the game, be sure to like, comment, subscribe to South Point Studios on YouTube. Your subscriptions go a long way. Leave us your live comments as well. Tell us some of your favorite big bets that hit, and we will read them off at the end of the show. And speaking of big bets, Chris, we appreciate you uh, stopping by here to, to close out the show. Talking about the game from a numbers perspective. And when we spoke just before kickoff yesterday, you told me that from a futures perspective, you guys were in a good spot either way. That's a big uh, consideration for a lot of different books, but you mm -hmm. guys do such a good job of booking action uh, on both well, sides. Well, we did this year. Well, especially with these two pretty public teams. That's <laughs> Doesn't always happen that yeah, way, trust me. <laughs> sometimes better to be lucky than good. You just happen to be both more, more often than not. Um, how did you guys make out from a whole? Because when we talked about 2.30 before kickoff, you didn't know what side you needed at that point. I didn't know till I did the what ifs after they kicked <laughs> off. I really did not, you know. Uh, we needed to beat teasers, which we did not do. We every, every single teaser one that hurt us. And uh, you know, I was doing some what ifs like halfway through the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be a really big Super Bowl. <laughs> didn't wasn't. I mean, we did okay. Not not to complain because I've heard some people around town. Some did like lost a little bit. Some like did okay. No, we did pretty good, you know, so I'm not, uh, I'm not too uh, concerned about our outcome. It, the outcome really was a lot better than I expected once I kind of figured out where we were. And a lot of that little stuff added up and added up in our favor. And as far as the handle in general, yeah, uh, one of the things that we had talked about all week was that you thought that the props were going to outhandle the game itself. A, did that happen? And no. B, what was the handle like overall? Okay, A, no. Okay, B, it was up a little bit, not much. Uh, I was actually, dis it was up, but I'm still disappointed. I thought it would be up a lot more, and it, it just was not, you know. And, uh, you know, I guess we'd go through all kind of reasons why it was not. Um, I know you want to ask me about some hoops tonight. I really haven't looked at hoops tonight. I really, I've been, I've been back there the whole day looking at stuff in preparation for next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, this it starts now, you know, and, uh, you know, just going through all the analysis of what we did over the last couple of weeks and how we could do things better next year. And, uh, you know, so really I haven't, you know, I know Kansas is playing tonight. <laughs> and that's really about, and I, Bucknell's playing tonight yeah. too, which is another shirt I wear. But other than that, I, I really don't know much of what's going on in hoops. I've been working on football all day. Thinking of ideas already for next year, can yeah. you share a couple that you guys are throwing out already? Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing. Now, of course, every year is going to be a lot different. But the, the, the action we did on Purdy and Mahomes, their individual stats, uh, the rushing yards, like we went through today and did like the handle on the rushing line. Where the hell did all this money come from? I mean, they, they were all over that. Uh, a lot of different things, like with the quarterbacks. And then 
you know, you had two really high-profile players who were not quarterbacks, Kelsey and, and um, uh, McCaffrey, yeah. and uh, just huge, huge handles on both of those players uh, in almost every category. And we thought of a bunch of them, but we're trying to write down maybe some ideas how we could do do something a little bit better next year. You know, so oh, maybe uh, we're rush- just trying to think of some things. You know, maybe rushing yards for the quarterbacks per half. Or- oh. Because that would have been big yesterday. I want to see you in my office after <laughs> this. Uh, no, that's a good one. You know, that, that might be good. You know, but we, you know, that, I'm telling you, we did so much business on that's those. So and they are very public players that, mm-hmm. again, almost anybody playing fantasy football had <laughs> one, two, three, or maybe even all four of those guys at some point in the season. Yeah. So yeah, they were very popular. Team if you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the game itself, was yeah. there anything that occurred in the game or a trend or a pattern that you noticed that surprised you from either side? Well, I really felt, and I know um, Kyle Shanahan is getting a lot of heat today. I think some of it's deserved. A lot of it is not. I really felt the Niners dominated the line of scrimmage, certainly offensively. And McCaffrey, what 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 was his total rushes? I think oh 18, I want to say. Sounds about right. Whatever it was, I think he went under whatever we had. Okay. And that was one of those where – Man, if I was coaching that, he'd have gone over. He'd oh, have gone yeah. way over, and I'd have gotten him the ball. They they got it to him a lot, you know, but I would have gotten to him even more. This kid is just dynamite. Um, I thought that they went away from the running game a little too quickly, and uh, I said it earlier with Alex when I was on with uh, Frank Show. Um, I I didn't I could see him receiving the ball to get it third. I could, I I it didn't work, and people were all over him for that. But I understand that philosophy, and it. That might be the way to go. I'm not sure. Well, and we, we, we were just talking about it. I mean, there really isn't a bona fide strategy, and there's arguments for, for, for both sides. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the math works out if you get the ball first, but you need a very specific set of instances. Uh, I would say just, you know, common thinking, you know, I'm a, a random average Joe here with no analytical knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes. I would think to take it second because you then know what you need to do on that drive. You, of course, give up the chance for the other team to win the game if you don't do that but if you're really confident you got a good feeling especially a team like the chiefs that picked it up in the second half and figured it out offensively that's not the worst case for them to be in going second you know matt i can't dispute that on you you know i mean but i would also say this there's seven field goals kicked in that game seven field goals yeah that's a lot so i mean i could see where their defense would have thought okay mahomes is on fire we're gonna get the ball first we have a pretty decent chance of getting a field goal or maybe a touchdown and if our defense plays well, we force them into a lot of field goals. Yep. Maybe we force them into another field goal. Then we get the ball, and if we can break serve, we get to win the game. So I could, like I said, I, I, you might be right. I might be right. Who knows? I, you know, I don't know. We don't have enough data at this point to to say conclusively. But I, I do understand. I'm not saying I'd have done it that way, but I absolutely understand him going that route. We're talking about the kickers. Seven combined field goals. That's a record for a Super Bowl. I got that on my list, by the way. <laughs> did you yeah. take any action? Did you have Harrison Butker in the field, or did he have his own odds for MVP of the game? Uh, I had him. Uh, God, I'd have to look it up. Did you <laughs> Did you take any bets on Harrison Butker that you can remember to win MVP? Because we were uh, saying. I don't remember doing that, no. But I have, I have some different. I have the, who? Uh, Jennings. Yeah, I had him in the field. Wow. That yeah. would have been. Great for you guys. Yeah, I had a couple guys yes. in the field. I, I had some one. pretty big ones that hit, though, you know. So uh, you want to go over those? Yes, yeah, there is. Okay, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to run them in order that I had on my some sheet. Some of the longest shots that hit in Super Bowl 58, go. Overtime. Yes. I had a plus anywhere from 650 to plus 7,000. Yeah, I saw in today's paper 
Caesar said they lost seven figures. Oh my God. On that. We lost five. Yeah. <laughs> and that was enough, you know? And uh, I, you know, listen, we moved the number and some of the wise guys came in and they bet uh, no overtime, which, you know, and I tell my people, I know what the math says. It's probably not going to be overtime, but it's one game. And if it falls like that and you lose like they did, eventually you'll catch up. Mm-hmm. You might be gone by the time you catch up yeah. for that. That's a, that's a lot of numbers. Anyway, that's what I would say. Uh, the, the game to fall exactly three plus five to one. Uh, will there be one or more scoreless quarters? Four to one. I was on that one. Thanks. Yeah. By uh, the way, hey, believe me, I'm not betting any, any figures. That was like a two figure bet. <laughs> a missed extra point plus three thirty. You and I have only been doing shows for a little while. I've been on with Alex quite a bit. I was on with Jeff quite a bit. I've been saying it from the beginning of the year. The one flaw I saw in the 49ers was their kicker. They got rid of Robbie Gold. Maybe a little long in the tooth, but you could rely on that kid. They brought in this rookie, and I've been saying it all year. There may be a time when he does not perform in a key situation. He hit the guy in the back of his of his helmet on that. That was a kick. line drive. Yeah. yeah, that was a terrible kick, and it wasn't the holder's fault. It wasn't the snap. It wasn't he had a bad kick? Instead of going up seventeen thirteen, they went up sixteen thirteen. It's a different game at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I heard a couple people, and I actually think Billy Walters might have said it too. But a couple people said the Chiefs have the quarterback edge, slight coach edge. You know, because Shanahan's on his way, he's doing good. The defensive edge. And the kicker edge. And I am just kept thinking to myself, come on, don't put the kicker in there. I know special teams is its own unit and it's important, but really. And then I also thought, just watch, it's going to fall on the kicker. (laughs) And it did. And you mentioned it earlier. I mean, that was a big turning point. Anytime you want to put me with Billy Walters, you're welcome to do so. (laughs) I'll tell you right now. And if he ever wants to change bankrolls with me, I'm up for that too. <laughs> Aren't <laughs> we all? <laughs> Before yesterday, after on his worst day, I would change with Billy. Um, here's some of the other big ones. Uh, no San Francisco rushing touchdown, plus two fifty. Um, That's crazy. First, yeah, because McCaffrey uh, did. Yeah, yeah, McCaffrey caught a pass. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Would Mahomes throw a touchdown first or an interception first? It was an interception. That was plus two to one. That was a good one for us. Seven field goals, 30 to one. Oh, my God. Did you you take action on that one? We took action on everything. But that we actually did okay on that one. Um, Exactly four touchdowns in the game, plus 375. Wow. That was pretty good. The double result, that's a – we kind of stole that from the Brits. Yeah. You know, so San Francisco the first half, KC the second half. That was plus five fifty. Wow, that's we awesome. got waxed pretty good on that one. I bet, and that yeah. one, I and that was know. including overtime for the yeah, second yeah. half. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that was one like hmm, I think the price was okay. How did they pick that? That yeah, seems really. like a weird one, but they did. Okay. Uh, the first scoring play of the game, forty nine er field goal, four to one. Yeah. It makes sense, but yeah. it's still a decent price. Last scoring play for Kansas City would be touchdown, field goal, whatever, plus three fifty, and it was touchdown yeah. or a field goal. No, by KC. I'm sorry. By that's okay. a touchdown. Hmm. It's been a long couple of days. I bet, yeah. Uh, the last touchdown by Kansas City, you know, uh, Hardman. Yeah. It was ten to one. Oh wow. He was in the field. He was in the field. 
Uh, first Kansas City touchdown, Van Del, Van Valdez Scanling, twelve to one. Okay, that we had people on that. Okay, and here's just a couple big ones. 49ers, exactly 22 points, 35 to 1. Wow. Kansas City, 25 points, exactly, 45 to 1. That's a, that's a unique number with the it's a unique number. Yeah. Yes. But our, our boy, your namesake, who's not related to you, Zach White, he was all over the board. He, oh, man. He, he, tried, he didn't have any of those, thank goodness, because yeah. he, he's still, I'm trying to get that 100,000 back that he beat me out of a couple of years ago. It's going to take a while. Yeah. So, but Zach, Zach's a sharp guy. And, yeah. Uh, he came and gave us a lot of plays. So. But you said a good good result for you guys overall, especially yeah. compared to some other books in town. Yeah, and you asked me uh, the the Purdy exactly one touchdown, which I did give out. Yeah, you, you, know, you, you like uh, that one. Plus 220. That's, That's solid. 20. Yeah. That was about, I would say two touchdowns would probably be about where I would cap Brock Purdy. There was no way yeah. he was going to throw for 300 yards or three touchdowns in that game with the way that it was game planned, at least in my mind. Yeah. No, I thought two, you know, plus 220 is a decent return. I know if you want the if you pick a plus two twenty baseball game and it wins, you're like the smartest handicapper yeah, exactly. ever lived. That just shows the difference in the betting markets, yeah. yeah. But that one you actually got lucky because Jennings threw one of the touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take lucky any day. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's good. But I was thinking about it, I'm like, wait, they scored two touchdowns. There wasn't a rushing touchdown. How is my math not <laughs> adding up? Because Jennings had one. And I saw that's some people had uh it was Anybody but a quarterback to throw a touchdown yes. pass? Wow, what at was some that? Some other books I saw it at either thirty-five or forty to one. I tell you what, that's probably what it should be. Yeah, even yeah. though it hit yesterday, that's probably about what it should yeah. be. Well, then that throw from Juwan Jennings too across the field. People don't realize the field's fifty-three yards across. Yeah. He basically threw the whole length of the field, yeah. and then uh, the great little block on the outside to bump, uh, bump McDuffie towards the sideline yeah. and give McCaffrey just enough room to, uh, yeah. or yeah, to, to sneak on the inside there. Um, really unique play there, and uh, was really interested to hear some of those some of those bigger props that hit. So I'm glad that yeah. you uh, did yeah. a little bit of digging on those. Those yeah. yeah. very interesting because I don't know, I didn't look at total number of field goals or even touchdowns in the game, but I definitely, you know, as I'm going through the packet, kept seeing them, and then kind of thinking, okay, how many do we think from each side? But might be uh, worth taking a look at. Next the other year. one I was thinking about next year, and I have to do a little bit more work. When I was at Cal Neva, which is you know. 10, 12 years, 15 years ago. Uh, one prop that I used to use was over or under field goals per kicker. Hmm. One and a half with usually some juice. And if you go through, now this is a long, I haven't done this again, I, but I, because I think there's more field goals kicked now. Yeah, but sense. at that point in time, one would go over and one would go under. And if you're a bookmaker and you can get one over, one, that's perfect. You know, yeah. but I'm going to have to start looking a little more closely now. And this, you know, like seven yesterday, well, I'd have got a wax pretty good if I'd have had that prop up. But that's one I might have up next year. And one of the big differences about booking the Super Bowl in Nevada as compared to other states is the the props that you're allowed to offer. Yeah. They are a little bit smaller here. It's, a, you know, stuff that basically can't be influenced by a producer. That was the way that I was taught it is anything that somebody has control over that's not right. on the field, like Anthem Time, you know, Gatorade color, random stuff sure. like that. Did you see the the debacle with Reba McIntyre's uh, time on the anthem? I didn't notice. No. So she sang the anthem in, I think it ended up being just about 95 seconds. The total was like 93. So she did the the much revered brave, brave. She said brave a second time. So with that, the first brave was under. The second brave brought it over. So MGM in a couple of other states 
Just paid out both sides. They said, we don't want to hear about this. We're just yeah. going to pay out both oh, sides. Oh, they did? So you, you lose a little bit if you're them, but you make it up, yeah. up as you know, from behind I, the counter. I've done some of those. Oh, well, not that particular, yeah. but there's times like, just pay both sides. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what was the missed extra point a couple of years ago? Oh. Where uh, it wasn't a mixture. You know, it was, then it wasn't. Then yeah. I was like, just, just pay. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Do can't. you have any, uh, any, you know, like I said, in Nevada, it's a little bit different. Do you have any props like that over the years where you've had a situation like that where you're like, it's, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. Let's just either pay it out or push it or. Yeah, that missed extra point, yeah, which was only, one. what, two, three years ago, yeah. whenever it was. Um, yeah, we have some interesting ones. There was one, um, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but, you know, how many times will the lead change? And one guy, you know, it was like. <laughs> If he was a lawyer, I'd probably lose in court. <laughs> it, it was not according to our rules. He would have lost. Finally, and I mean, he had like about a twenty dollar ticket, something yeah. like that. Finally, said, you know, let me buy you dinner at the steakhouse. That's like two hundred bucks. Yeah, you're way ahead of the curve here. You know, just go, go. You know, and he said, "Oh yeah, okay." I said, "All right." That guy's sharp for a different reason. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I have a correction for you. Yes, Ken Griffey. Yes, Denora. Denora, not Dora. Denora. Yeah, Denora. Town of. Yeah. How do you, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. hitting? 600 plus home runs and he is not the leader in home runs from this small town no 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 he's, he did have more than Sam Musial he just Musial. passed Sam Musial so I'm yeah. mixing Musial has about 400 I'm so. mixing everything by the way to show you my age yeah I saw Ken Griffey Sr. play in high school when he was in high school wow yeah. How far is Denora from Pittsburgh? Oh, it's right there. Okay. Just up the river a little bit. I was going to say, because I mean, I lived in like the North Hills area. I didn't. I oh, yeah, that's right. I How did you not, you know, Denora? I didn't know that. Right no. next to Manesson, Ringgold uh, uh, High. That makes more sense. I'm a, okay. I'm a Wexford kid, suburban, you know. You're way out yonder yeah, in the exactly. North Hills. Yeah. yeah. About half hour north of Pittsburgh. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely wanted to get your thoughts on the Super Bowl and some of your big props. We definitely appreciate that. You want to stick around? We talk some college basketball? Why not? See what we got for What do I have to counter. do? There really are only, at least in our, in our opinion, four to five games of note tonight. Really only three games featuring Power 5, Power 6 teams. And uh, one of the ones that we're going to get to right away is a game that starts here in about five minutes, right when we get off the air. It's on ESPN. First game with their doubleheader today. 881-882 uh, on the rotation. Wake Forest at number nine Duke. The Blue Devils laying seven. And the total at 154. And Alex, this matchup, when you look at the Ken Palm ratings... A lot closer than some might think. Wake Forest 28th in Ken Palm, Duke 13th in the country. So I didn't have anything in this one, but it is interesting because Wake does play Duke very well. Remember last year, Duke only won this game by two, and they were at home also. And this is an even better Wake Forest team than we had last year. 28th overall, 27th adjusted offense. So if I were to do anything, I'd probably look at the points. I just was hoping for more of a eight or nine here. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the points with, with Wake Forest. It, it is seven and a half where I got it. Um, big, big reason here. Wake Forest on the road this year, two and five straight up, but they lead the ACC in three-point shooting. Duke, very good. Duke guards very well on the inside. They don't guard as well around the perimeter. They're still decent around the perimeter, but uh, Wake Forest all, shooting almost 40% as a team from beyond the arc. Duke only covering in three of their last eight as well. And if you look at their last four home games, they include a loss to Pitt and a one-point win over Clemson. This is not the same Cameron Indoor that we are used to, Chris, from behind the counter. Is there any action that you uh, can think of that stands out for this one? No, but I've just started following college basketball a little bit, and I would agree with you. I, I would take the points here. I think this could be a pretty tight game. Uh, I'd hate to give out any selections at this point because yeah. I'm not ready for that yet. But my first inclination would, would be play the dog in this one. I think Duke might be a little bit overrated at this point, so. certainly by so the betters. Got a lot of great individual players. But right, don't always right. have that cohesion that you would expect from a Duke team at this point uh, of the year next one down the rotation number west virginia at tcu this game in fort worth big 12 matchup 
Uh, TCU Lang 12, and I actually like the Horn Frogs to cover this big number. One of the reasons is because West Virginia is 0-5 on the road this year. TCU's 10-2 at home. Both teams coming off of road losses, but how about this? For WVU, four of their last five losses have been by 13 or more points. All those would have been across the number, and uh, this is a West Virginia team that struggles to stay in games late in this very competitive Big 12. And have not been good on the road, 0-9 overall this season, just 2-6 and six against the spread. On the flip side, you talked about TCU, and at home, they covered in 7 of those 12 games as well. So I would lean to TCU here, but too many points for me. I, I really just only have one big play today, and... I would say, you know, I always talk about what's the difference between home and road. And West Virginia, I think, is a very, and I don't have the splits in You're front right. of it, very strong home team. And sometimes that influences the power rating more than it should. Mm. You know, you have to look at how that split works. And it's just a tough travel to get to West Virginia. Conversely, it's a tough travel getting from West Virginia. Yeah. So, mm. you know, it kind of works both ways. Yeah, I would assume they, they bus to Pittsburgh about an I hour think and they a half do, and yeah. fly from wherever. Yeah. yeah, I think we've talked about this yeah. with them and. It is tough. Morgantown, beautiful area. Yeah, plus we are in Morgantown. It's the only game in town. I mean, those fan, I've been to football and basketball oh, yeah. games there. It's a tough place to play. Milan Pusker Stadium, a really cool oh, wow. uh, atmosphere there in, uh, in the hills, the rolling hills of West Virginia. Two more games we'll fly through yep. quickly before we get out of here. Uh, Elon at Towson. We're going some SoCon action, baby. Uh, Towson laying 11.5 at home, 134 the total on this one. I don't have a play, but I have a certain lean here, and it is to the under. It's a low number, but how about this? Elon, 164th in tempo, they're 321st in Ken Palm. So a very, very low-rated team. Slow-ish, but you want to talk about slow. Towson, the third slowest team in the country. Number 359 out of 362 as far as pace. Uh, and Towson also 24th in the country in opponent scoring. So they're really slow. They play really good defense. If this game gets to 130, I'd be surprised. All right. It's a low total, but for a good reason. Like you mentioned, slower-paced game. And Towson is pretty good defense, 127th adjusted defense in the country. So very good. like the under. And then our last one here, Chris is wearing a Kansas Jayhawks shirt. The number four Jayhawks on the road in Lubbock taking on number 23 Texas Tech. This game, the second uh, of the doubleheader on ESPN that starts at 6 here on the West Coast. As of right now, Texas Tech laying three and a half, 144 the total. This is a Kansas team on the outside looking in as of right now for a number one overall seed. Yep, and they need to beat a ranked team, right? Texas Tech is ranked here. They're going there. Tech is 1-3-1 and one against the spread in their last five. They're just 88th adjusted defense. Second to last in the Big 12 ranking there defensively. So I like Kansas, 38th overall, 13th adjusted offense. And this team is starting to play a lot better. They have two of the top five um, players in the Big 10 right now, according to Ken Palm, with Hunter Dickerson and Kevin McClure. So I think they'll get it done here, even on the road. I'm taking the points. I think there's a lot of value there. Always tough with the road dogs. But Kansas, one that you could feel confident I will say the only number that I found really to the contrary there is that the teams that do have success against Texas Tech shoot well from outside and rebound well. Kansas right now eighth in the Big 12 in three-point percentage. They're 13th in three-pointers per game. So they don't take a lot of threes. They're okay from the efficiency standpoint. They are ninth out of 14 in rebounds per game in the Big 12, which is surprising yeah, considering they've got a lot of big man talent. Yeah, they do. I'm surprised at that number too. I, I would kind of lean towards Alex. I think I'd go with the plus three and a half. And I mean, I would look at the money line, honestly. I know I just gave out that number, but I love these ranked yeah. matchups. The road dog usually has more to play for, especially this Kansas team that, as I said, on the outside looking in for a number one overall seed nationally. So that game starts at six here on the West Coast. 
That'll do it for us today on Sports by the Book. Thanks for tuning in to South Point Studios on YouTube. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. Give us your live comments. And uh, that'll do it for us today. Really, really fun Super Bowl recap show. This one absolutely flew by. Uh, tomorrow, we'll take a look at some futures in both the NFL. Take a look at some of Chris's futures that we may or may not have by then. And the uh, futures as well in college basketball. Yes. We're taking a look at conference futures and uh, national championship futures. But again, that'll do it for us. For Caden, Andrew, and Jerry, everybody else here at South Point Studios behind the glass. For Sportsbook Director Chris Andrews, my partner Alex White, I'm Matt Neverett saying thanks for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock Pacific, here on Sports by the Book, coming to you from the South Point Studio.